Gospel of our according to Matthew. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. His fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? In anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Good, sleepy, great morning to all of you. Slowly trickling in. We are now well into our third week of Jesus' teachings on forgiveness. And if you remember one of the refrains from the previous readings, he has said at least twice to his followers, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's meant to be a frightening and daunting teaching. Today he goes into the depths when Peter brings him a burning question not only for the first followers of Jesus, but for the early Christian community living towards the end of the first century. Matthew was writing to a community that had already experienced persecution and great stress and didn't know if it would last beyond the current generation. A community where there had been betrayal and people had left and then they wanted to come back and the question was, should we let them come back? 
but it's not a question that dates back just to there. It actually goes back all the way to that reading we heard today from Genesis, the conclusion of the Joseph cycle. And if you know anything about the story of Joseph, you'll remember that his brothers become quite jealous of his abilities and also the affection their father has for him. And so they hatch a plan to actually kill him. And only because of the intervention of one of them do they relent at the last minute, but instead they throw him into a deep pit. He is sold into slavery in Egypt. Now we can all take a deep breath and think, gee, I thought I had it back, right? But in that story from Genesis, we hear today, we hear a story about not just Joseph and his brothers, but about who God is and how God acts in the world. And this is a God who behaves differently than many other gods, many other gods, other gods who keep score and who keep a record and who keep their ledgers balanced, and there needs to be a reckoning at some point. No, the God of the ancient Israelites, Joseph discloses to his brothers, is a God fundamentally of forgiveness. And that's the deep tradition. God of forgiveness. Joseph's Brothers are so frightened that they come to him and they, they kind of fib a little bit with him. They, they make up a story that their father before he died said to have Joseph forgive them. They, they kind of fib with him a little bit. They are so terrified of what he might do to them because he's become very powerful in the land of Egypt. And in their society and in their culture, he has every right to take out retribution on them. And they are willing to fib a little bit and then give themselves over to him as his slaves, his servants, if that will quell any risk that he might take revenge. His response to them is to weep. Joseph's experience and his vision has suddenly brought him to a place where he can see a little bit as God sees. And that this forgiving God, as crazy as this sounds, even to our ears so many centuries later, this God even takes the worst things about us and insists on turning them into something good for God's purposes. Put another way, God's purpose is being worked out often despite us, not because of us. Why? Well, this is how a forgiving and loving God works in the world. And it's a truth that is not just in the deep places of our tradition, it's a truth that is baked into creation itself. 
Most of you know what it's like to leave a garden bone dry for a long period of time, and everything dies. That's the way nature works. But when you come back and you give it a little bit of care, and a little bit of nurture, and some planting, and even some things that have gone dormant beneath the soil begin to germinate and grow again. The garden does not come to you at night and haunt you in your soul. Well, my conscience is slipping. <laughs> you have a conscience at all. But it doesn't come and take revenge, does it? <clears throat> no, it responds by bursting into new life. We know this about the natural world wherever we have put pressure on it and degraded it by polluting it. When we clean up the pollution, when we take the pressure off, when we give it some bounded space and some nurture and attention, it comes right back and heals. That's the forgiveness that's built into creation. No grudges are kept. There's no accounting book. Instead, there is new life. Now, Peter's question matters because really Peter's question is our question, right? All right, so creation will come back, but what about the person in my community, my family of God, who's stepped on my toes just one too many times? Should I keep count, is Peter's question. Peter says, oh, how about forgiving seven times? That's a good number. Days of the week. I can forgive seven times. Is there a boundary where I stop forgiving? Jesus says in his figure of speech, no, there is no boundary. There is no boundary, no ending to this practice. <clears throat> Last Sunday at Grace Cathedral, we were gathered with our confirmands there, and Bishop Mark preached a very powerful sermon about forgiveness. And he said, and this was appropriate for teenagers, you know, you have one superpower, one superpower. And this is true for every Christian. We all have one superpower and one superpower only, and that is the power of forgiveness. <clears throat> and it is so powerful that Matthew uses that figure of speech. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that teaching goes into that parable today about the binding up, the putting into prison of those who owe us debts. Whether it's debts of honor, debts of money, or debts of favor, it doesn't matter. The thing is, Jesus recognizes that when we throw somebody else into that prison, whether it's literal or metaphorical, we end up in prison too. If you've ever held a grudge for very long, you know what that's like. 
The Buddhists have a wonderful saying for that that's worth recounting. Holding people like that is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Midwest, we have always had the good rhetorical question for that. So how's that working for you, right? This is what Jesus is trying to dismantle in human relationships, and above all, in the human heart, the ways that we bind one another. And when we bind one another, we bind ourselves, maybe to expectations, maybe to resentments, maybe to the past, but whatever it is we bind ourselves to, we stop ourselves from being able to grow and move forward. So our superpower, if you like, of forgiveness is not only about unbinding the other, but about unbinding ourselves. <clears throat> so that like that garden that is nurtured anew and watered again, we can begin to grow, turn green, and bring forth new blossoms and fruit of life. There's one more important thing to remember about this teaching, and it's a problem actually in the translation we have today. Jesus concludes by saying, you know, all of these things will happen to you if you do not forgive your sister and your brother from your heart. Sometimes in the West, we hear things incorrectly as they come to us from the ancient Semitic world. When Jesus says the heart, he is not just talking about the emotional center. Put another way, he's not saying you have to feel like forgiving somebody before you do it, or before it tanks. That's not what he means. And if any of you have ever practiced forgiveness, you know it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Sometimes we don't feel like forgiving. That's understandable. But when Jesus is talking about the heart, he is talking about the center of being. He's talking about the place where we fundamentally make choices and decisions. He's talking about the seat of the will. <clears throat> so like his teachings about love, his teachings of forgiveness are about making a choice, making a decision. Regardless of how we might feel, he says you make a choice and you act accordingly. And the feelings will follow. He is setting before us forgiveness not as something we might want to do when we feel like it. He's setting before us forgiveness as a discipline, as a way, as a spiritual path into what he calls the kingdom. This community and the whole of our Christian lives are built on this discipline. God knows we all need it, right? Do you want to compare lists of all the things I've done wrong with yours? 
we'd probably be here for at least the rest of the day, right? We know this about ourselves. God knows this about us. Yet ours is a God whose way of being with us is to forgive and to love, because that is the only way that life can move forward. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Oh, uh-huh.